him. If he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. When he has found it, he left it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors and saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Verse 10. Like when I sent to you, there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner that repented. Lord, I need you. We need you in every service that we have. Would you speak to us, God? Give us your direction. Let every spirit be in subjection to your spirit. You're the mighty God. You're the mighty one in this building. And because of you, we must leave here better than we came with hope. Oh God, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. My title, if I could title this, is Lost and Not Know It. Now I wonder how many people in this afterlife, I'm asking every phone to go off right now, every phone, if it goes off, we're going to capture it and make it mine. So I want you off right now, obey the house rule, please. I wonder how many people after this life in the cemetery, you could talk to them right now, would say to you, I know my condition would turn out this way, the way it ended. I wonder how many would say that. And I wonder how many are surprised at where they ended up. Now, I know what the preachers always say at the funerals. We like to comfort the living because the dead can't respond. Truth or false, we say what we will to comfort those who are teary eyes. But I wonder what the deceased says when they cross the chasm from time into eternity. I wonder if they were anticipating the end result that came their way. Personally, I don't believe nine out of ten of them really expected to land up where they landed. Because the us know that after this life, there is a building program that's going on. And I wish to God I could say with truth that God is expanding the size of the new Jerusalem. Since the Apostle John gave the dimension, it has not changed. The dimension, the height, the breadth, the stories, all the floors, nothing have changed. But when Satan fell from heaven, God created a place for him. It's called hell. And then the final resting place of the devil will be, not rest, but torment, a place called Lake of Fire. And I know God never make a mistake, and God said, well, hell is in a, an enlargement program because of the nations that want to go there. I don't believe any one of us could go to the U.N. and tell any nation that you're lost. I don't believe you could. I don't believe they can go to Ottawa and tell the Prime Minister that the Canadians are lost. I don't believe I can go to the United States of America and tell the President that all his entire states, 52, are lost. I don't believe any country would believe me. But could it be, as it says, a nation that forget God shall be turned? into hell. How many nations that you know is a holy nation? As I speak to you, our world 
nations are in distress, as the 24th chapter of Matthew tells us. It would be that way. Nation, perplexities of nations. And even within culture, there is problem and turmoil. And their gods, there are many gods. I said gods, many. But true God, not known. Now I wonder how many people, when they lay on their bed or in the hospital or whatever happened to them, and they found that they're leaving life and going to another world. First of all, the shock is there's another world, which men are told there isn't none. And they found out, oh, there is a God after all. Not the one I serve, not the one I know. But after all, there is a God. And I have no preparation to meet Him. When the Bible says every man must prepare to meet God. But that assumes that we believe there is a God. Because more and more nations are dismissing God. More and more all the edicts and the constitutions are removing God institution of a church and getting rid of the Bible. And how many nations concern themselves with the possibility that God is lost in their translation of their Bibles? How many are concerned? Not many are. And we're going to put a corrupt book that looks like the Bible, almost tastes like the Bible. It is not the Bible. It's man concoction. And could it be, could it be that when a pilot is lost in the fog, he's bound to crash? I've had the opportunity in, in uh, Alaska to fly a plane where a pilot will allow me to sit in the cockpit with them and he said, now do as I tell you and don't do anything different. If I tell you to do this, you do exactly that. And so we took off and we flew up high above the mountains and, and we, we make circles and we do all these little S shape and we dove down, up and down. And then he talked to me about instrumentation. He said, one thing you have to learn, trust your instrument. Trust your instrument. Don't you ever guess it secondhand. Always believe it, what it says. Because when you're in the fog, you think you're going up, but you're spiraling down. And many planes have crashed when people fly, not by instrument, but by visual. They get in a fog, which you're not supposed to get into. If you don't have instrument rating, you don't go into a fog, because you don't have no instrument to tell you where you are. They say you may think you're going up, but you're going down. In fact, one of the planes that crashed a while ago, the big jet, the figure that happened to the pilot, the, the pilot took give the wrong in, instrumentation reading, and when he thinks he's going up, he's actually going down. Lost and not know it. This man told me when he was lost in the fog, he said, he said, God, if I ever get out of this fog... I will never do what I did again. You see, if I ever live through this storm and come through this fog, because I'm not supposed to be in this fog, and I knew it, and I took off, it looked very good, but when I took off, the weather changed on me. Like the weather report says. And I found myself lost in the fog. And I said, if I ever get out of it, I will not let it happen again. In fact, his best friend, Try to get home on Christmas, crash somewhere between Canada and the States in somewhere by Jasper in the mountains, crashed right in the mountain. The fog deceived him. He was lost in the fog, not going the right direction, and crashed in the mountain. A very experienced pilot, but he got lost. Never thought he was, and crashed, and that's how he died. What about a sailor? I've been on the ocean, and I've looked, and I couldn't see no land. All I could see was clouds. Sometimes the, the, the stars didn't show. The sky, that depend on instrumentation and navigation equipment. What would happen when a sailor is lost in the fog? Does he think he's lost? He can't tell where east is, where west is, or north is, or south is. He, and the wave is just moving. Does he know he's lost? Then I see little boats out there. I wonder, do they know where they are? 
Are they lost? To be lost is a terrible feeling when you know you're lost. When you don't know you're lost, you don't worry about it. You just keep on going. But when you're lost, it's a terrifying feeling. I've seen kids in the mall misplace their parents, disconnect with their parents, and I've seen the terror look in their eyes and the screams. You think you're pulling a tooth. They, they got so worried, so terrified. Amen. And it's no different from somebody lost in the wilderness. Amen. Going on a journey, the map is faulty, the instrument is faulty, and so people could have been lost in the translator's book. And there are other ways that people are lost. But I wonder how many people know they are truly lost. How many of you right now honestly think you're lost? I guarantee you tell me, no, Pastor, I'm not lost. And really, all I can say to you is just wishful thinking. Just a matter of opinion. You cannot objectively say, I know I'm not lost. You can say, I hope I'm not lost. Amen. And when you're lost and you know it, you worry. When you're lost and you don't know it, you don't worry. You just sit at ease and find yourself at a destination that you did not plan for. And Jesus, hoping to teach us about the three conditions of lost humanity, he saw the Pharisees, the scribes, and the publicans. They're all religious. <laughs> they got their own way of believing in God. The publican believes in God. So the Pharisees and the scribes, and so the Sadducees, and Jesus used that as a teaching moment to discuss three lost conditions. He talked about the the coin, or the or we call it a coin. He didn't say coin. He says it was a silver piece, actually, but we say it's a coin. All right, but he didn't say coin. He says silverware. He talked about the lost son, the lost sheep. What is Jesus Christ? trying to teach us. Well, first of all, it wants to know when a person is in a lost condition, it's a very devalued situation. It's a disconnect situation. And I've been lost before. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I remember in the States, I was driving to a conference, and for some reason, I'd have a GPS, I had a map, and I chose not to use the map, and took the wrong turn. And I realized the more I travel... I should reach the radio. I didn't reach it. I didn't get there. And I looked way down the road. I saw a police car on the island that stood between, straddled the, the highway. And he see me coming. He said, I can tell. It's in your eyes. You're lost. I said, yes, sir. I don't belong here. I need to go. So, so he said, you're going the wrong direction. You have to go miles down the road and then turn around. You have to be willing to make a round turn. Otherwise, you're going to continue being lost and get worse lost. So if you're lost, then you need to turn around. And Jesus Christ put it this way. What is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? He's asking the question. He's not answering it. He's simply asking the question. What would it profit me? That's why I personally, in my personal life, I can't speak for you, there are no trials or tribulations that I'm aware of that's going to knock me off the road because I know one thing. Temporary deliverance cannot match eternal punishment. Amen. Nobody, nothing, present or future, by the grace of God, is going to move me. Now, one of my pastor friends said to me, Pastor Nee, I don't know how I'd stand up to Isis' knife to my neck. He said, I hope by the grace of God I can survive it and not recant on the Lord. But hey, Hebrews chapter 11 said they want a better resurrection. So they chose to go down, amen, with blood and sweat and tears. You and I are blessed tonight. Today, we don't have to sweat and bloody, amen, give our lives for living for God. But there are people that are crucified, as I speak, nailed, sawn asunder, mutilated, and they still hold fast because 
They want a better resurrection. Amen. So what are we profited? Nothing. Now, there's some things in life I can replace and you can replace. In fact, if you lose your teeth, you can replace them with dentures. You know, you can. And you can have surgery because many surgeries to get them back to you. Thank God for those things. Otherwise, you'd be gumming it all the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, thank God for these dentists with the smarties, you know. Help us to chew better than we, my grandparents would have chewed. Amen. All they got was one teeth left, one tooth left, rather. And that's the rest they have. The rest is gone. But now we can fix that up. Amen. Artificially. But I want to say to you, you cannot replace time. You cannot replace yesterday. Your time of life cannot be recalled. You cannot recall it. Nor can you recall your age. You'll never be 15 again. You'll never be 6 years old again. This precious baby I just prayed for. Amen. It's not your 60 or 15. But they passed through that only once. And never can come back to it twice. And your soul, if I lose my soul, I can only, only enjoy it now. But if I lose my soul, I cannot recall it. But what's so good about the story that Jesus Christ gave us in the parable? He talks about tragedy and triumph. The tragedy is in all three situations, they're lost. And the triumph is, somewhere a correction was made, and what was missing was recovered. And I'm trying to tell somebody in this building, maybe you started out in life tragic. But the triumphant recovery that's possible is in this house. You can become the source of rejoicing in this church and in heaven. Because in the recovery, there was rejoicing. In the lost condition, there was weeping and, and sense of grief and sorrow. But the recovery that he talks about. Alright? And so, how many of us are aware of where we're going to spend eternity? Now, movies like to imitate things the Bible talks about. They talk about the lost planet, the lost continent. But they never have a movie on the lost soul. Have you noticed? Everything else, you know, creation, and they imitate that, but never discuss a lost soul. Why? Because most of them do not believe such things are going to happen. But today, I'm here to stir up your mind that you know it's possible that my soul and yours could be lost, and we don't know it. And the first, the first avenue to a lost soul that is going to be ignorant of the fact they're lost is says. I don't have no sin. Most people you talk to said, I've done no wrong. I kill no one. I rob no one. And they give you all the acclaims why they should not be considered lost. And yet God said, all have sin. All were born in sin. Shaped in iniquity. That's what God said. It's not discussable. It's not argumentative. It's a declaration from God that all of sin, and we know the way of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, we don't want to talk about it, but you're going to face it one day. My mom and dad died, and they're going to face the reality whether they were lost or saved. Now, my assumption is they're saved. That does not make them saved. Hello? Bishops and popes and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists died. And we hope they're saved. But you don't know. God kept that secret. Just like you can't describe your own natural birth. You can't tell what happened. You don't know what happened. God blank out that part of your life. That you can't recall it. And God don't make anybody know where you end up. Just you and God alone knows where you're going to go. But we can have some instances where we can look at Scripture says, like that, we got the template, and we're going to go in the same direction. The question, first of all, is, do I have a soul? Do I have a soul? And can my soul be lost? How relevant are the parables to my soul? 
Is it just a Sunday school story? Is it just a bedtime story I'm telling? Or is it something Jesus is talking about that is real? Now, the coin to me, where it's lost, it's disconnected, it's devalued, it's out of circulation. Hey, are you devalued? Are you disconnected? Are you out of circulation? The lost sheep is, <laughs> is dismayed and disconnected from the fold. Are you disconnected from the fold of the living? Think about it. And the lost son is distant. He's, he's so far, he, he is close. But he has a need to find his way back home. And so the coin is lost and know it not. <laughs> Think about it. The coin is almost an inanimate thing. So God is trying to say there are people among us who is lost and totally ignorant of the fact that they're lost. And the gospel is hid, is hid to them that are lost, in whom the gods of this world have blinded the minds of them that what? Believe not. Think about it. We're not brainwashed, we're heartwashed. There's a difference. Now the sheep, he's lost, but he's confused about it. He's lost, but confused and does not know how to find his way back home. Now, there are people that they, they know there's a God. Conscience speaks to them. They know they're not in proper alignment with God, but they just don't know how to get right with God. The, the idea of re, re, reunification with God or reconciliation with God is far-fetched. They have no idea. Thank God for men like Peter who gave Cornelius some direction. Telling him how he can be saved. Because he can be religious, but not saved. He prayed always, fast always, but not saved. The girl in uh, Samaria, she knew where we should worship God. But she's not doing it. I would consider her a sheep out there. And the certain sheep, sheep are, are not well known for their sighting. And when a man is blind to his own need, it's hard to convince them of their needs. When a person is blind to their need. And so here comes the son. He said, the son, he's lost. He's just, uh, he's just disobedient. He walked away. Well, I don't like the house rules. I don't want to put up with the rules of my father. Hello. And so he said, I'm going to leave house. But he's going further than he planned to go. It's going to cost him more than he's willing to pay and able to pay. And find himself lower than he planned to descend. And so he got so far... He's not sure which journey is closer, going back or keep on going where he's going. And Jesus is saying to us, there are people in our midst that are lost and don't know it. There are those who know it but are confused how to go about it. And then there are those that they know it, they know what they have to do, but just can't bring themselves to the place of humility to repent. And all three... It's talking about the need for repentance. Repentance is to mankind almost an affront. Who wants to admit I was wrong? Who wants to admit I'm off track? I've missed the target. I've come short of the glory of God. And I have need of being helped back into connection with the Creator. And so the coin... Amen. Cow picked up himself. The sheep can't bring back himself. And the son just can't bring himself to the place to confess, I was wrong. I need help. Now, a lot of folks don't live for God because you don't like God's standard. You can't live for God and you won't live for God because God's house rules is too much. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I've met people who said, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. So they chose to be homeless. They chose to be beggars. And, they, and they, they're educated, but they just don't want to be under the, 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 the rulership or the governorship of any rules or laws or regulation. And there are people, because Christianity means discipline. It means becoming a disciplined follower. I don't want you to tell me if I can drink or not. I don't want you to tell me if I can smoke or not. I don't want you to tell me if I ought to dress. I don't want you to tell me how to live. And that's the way the sun was. Give me what's mine. I deserve it all. 
Didn't work for it. Give it to me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But don't make me accountable. <laughs> I'm not responsible. I just want what's mine. And so the question comes, does the coin know its need? Does the sheep know its need? Does the son know its need? I want to ask you, do you know your need? The coin cannot recover itself from the lost state that sin. Jesus Christ said, if you don't think you're sick, then you won't need a physician. But if you can confess, I have infirmities. I've come short of the glory of God. And I need somebody to find me. Because I can't find myself. I need somebody to discover me. And bring me out of darkness into light. Because I'm in the fog. The coin hear you, but can't respond. The sheep need reunification. Now, you know this. When a sheep stray, it never find its way back. And before long, the wolf is going to get it. The coin, the thief is going to get it. Amen. And the son, <laughs> the devil is going to get him. Think about it. Now, God said, if I'm going to help you rescue from the thief that comes to steal, to rob and destroy, if I'm going to save you from the wolf that has no mercy, I'm going to devour you. And if I'm going to get you from the power of Satan with a blinding impact, then you need a Savior. Somebody has got to turn the house upside down and discover that lost condition of that coin. You're not going to find yourself. You're not going to save yourself. Somebody got to realize you're lost and reach out, hand of love and mercy and compassion, and the Lord said, Come unto me! All ye that labor and are every laden. You know, Lazarus, as much as God tried to help him, they had to loosen him. He was bound. I said he was bound, even though Jesus Christ called him. Now, one this morning, how many people are like this coin? You need a recovery. You have fallen from grace. You've fallen in disgrace. You need hope. You don't have it. Your status is such you can't help yourself. You're exposed to the thief of the hour. There's a stealer out there who wants to steal your soul and rob your soul. Ain't got a need. And you hope that somebody would light a candle. Amen. Hallelujah. Bring the light on and get rid of the darkness and, and bring light so somebody can discover me. Amen. Our world is in darkness. You are in darkness. And only light can help us. Amen. They that sat in darkness have seen a great light. A coin in a dark room does not shine. But when the light comes on, it reflects the light. I'm trying to tell somebody, there is light in this building. God is light. And in Him there is no darkness. Nobody's afraid in the light. They're afraid of the night and the darkness. And Paul said, we are not of the dark as some people are. And I'm going to say to you right now, some folks don't even know they're in the dark. Amen. Their eyes become so familiar with the darkness that the darkness to them become light. That's sheep. I know it's about sheep. Sheep has got to have leadership. Sheep got to have somebody that will guide them. Provide for them. That's why the 23rd Psalm is so notorious and well known among all believing persons. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. Amen. My wife and I drive on church the night, Friday night, and going home, and we saw a coyote. He was daring. We stopped the car beside him. He didn't run from us. He came towards us and looked at us. I thought to myself, if we were walking, he would have sure attack us. He was fierce. And I'm telling you, friend, the wolf, when you see a sheep, especially a wounded sheep, he will pounce on it. And the old thing, keep a, a wolf away, amen, is a sheepdog. 
And God says, Amen. I give you a dog of a bark. Hallelujah. <coughs> Hallelujah. A barking dog does not bother a sheep, but bother, bother a wolf. Amen. And some folks say, Preacher, I don't want you to preach to me. Let me tell you, friend, the only safety that sheep know is the voice of the porter and the voice of the shepherd. And you need the voice of God in your life to bring you back to Jesus Christ. Amen. John was sent by God. There's a man sent from God, amen, to a people that sat in darkness who saw a great light. And, and he preached that Jesus Christ is light. And he brought to them knowledge of salvation. You cannot be saved without a preacher. How can he preach except he be sent? Hallelujah. And when God sent him, he said, If you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, and you are my sheep, don't harden your heart. That's why we know the difference between a goat and a sheep. Hallelujah. A sheep would say, yes, that's the voice I know. And the goat would say, nay, that's not him. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, if you're a God's sheep, you're going to hear that voice and say, look, I'm not lost anymore. Because that voice gives you a sense of belonging. When that kid in that mall hear mama's voice, she feels so, or he feels so, so secure. I found my mama. I'm, and they're happy because they know safety is in that voice. Adam and Eve, what a situation. Hiding from God in the darkness of the Garden of Eden. Where the voice of God was a terror to them. But Jesus said, my sheep, the 10th chapter of John says, my sheep knows my voice. You see, I want you guys, any church of my choice is not good enough. The sheep know their fold. They know the gate. And they know when they're far from it. I was driving along, I was 6 or 3, and there are many farmers along that way. And I saw animals came out onto the fence. And there's a busy highway where people drove, drive like maniacs. And I tell you, I said, for sure, on my way back, you're going to see a corpse in the street. And I wonder, how could they leave all that hay and grazing outside beyond the fence? Well, this sheep that got lost, he strayed from the fold. Here's how he did it. Get his eyes off the master. And can't tell he's going the wrong direction. When you take your eyes off the shepherd, honey, you could end up anywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I think of people that resisted preaching from this church. Everyone is a, is, is a statistics. That's the honest truth. Uh, they got in, in some infestation where, where parasites were eating on them. And pretty soon they, be, they began to think that the, the shepherd is one of the parasites too. It's amazing how that could happen. Amen. And they get so far and so far and so far. You know, the voice is therapeutic. Do you know that? There's healing in the voice. When your kids start crying and bawling on the bed, and mom says, hush baby, hush baby, that voice is comforting. That voice has healing. Amen. And don't get so far that you can't hear the preacher's voice. Ooh. Don't get so far that you can't hear the voice of the shepherd. Amen. Reunification only comes when that voice comes. And now the son, he's also lost. Amen. He's too proud. He would love restoration. He knows he needs restoration. He knows he's, he's given up a whole lot. And he knows where he left things are better than where he's at. But he just can't bring himself to the place to say, I'm wrong. I need rehabilitation. Amen. Before healing can take place. And so what happened? He doesn't want to make that turn. He chose rather to change citizenship and become something else. Amen. But the stories didn't all end like that church. Amen. There is a rejoicing that took place. The Bible said, somebody got a revelation. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now, I've had people told me, and this is no kidding, don't you ever call my number again. The last time I saw the funeral, and I'll tell you, it's a shipwreck I saw. Mm -hmm. When you cut that voice off, you cut off hope. When Saul could not hear anymore from Samuel, he committed suicide. Now, you may not commit natural suicide, but you're committing spiritual suicide. You're wiping yourself out. You're killing yourself. Nobody's killing you. You're killing yourself because you cut yourself off from the voice. And so when the light comes, now, church, light is offensive. Light is offensive to somebody who can adjust it to the dark. Amen. Hallelujah. And people don't just embrace light. I go, Why are you blocking it? The problem is not with the light, it's with the darkness. Hello? But Jesus says men love darkness more than because their deeds are evil. And the Bible says, no, the only way that peace could be brought back, somebody had to realize they're missing. Now, church, I'm going to something here, folks. It didn't say the nine was concerned for the missing one. It says the woman was concerned for the missing one. Some of you don't like when your fellow saint try to help you. What a shame. What a shame. If one walk alone and you fall by yourself, who's going to help you? Who's going to bring you back up? You're not being good at being isolated. God didn't call it for isolation. He said, be insulated. Self-pity won't save you. Hello? Amen. If you err from the faith, you need something to pray for you. If you make some ethical problem, you need to confess your fault to one another. But somehow the nine didn't get involved with the lost one. But the one realized, I can't afford to sacrifice that one. It just bugs me. I don't count ten, I count nine. Amen. Get the flashlight out. Well, stop searching my record. Well, I'm searching the house. Turn the house upside down until you discover it. And look when it was found. There was rejoicing. We are happy when you pray through. We are happy when you have victory. We have a right to find out how you're doing. We have a right to look into our situations happening to you. We want to know if we preached to you in vain. We want to know if our labor was in vain. We want to know if what we saw in your heart was for naught. I'm telling you, church, every time a person backslides, we lose investment. Every time a person drops out of the faith, uh, God lose someone from the kingdom. He's concerned every time you drop out of sight, when you drop out of office, when you drop out of circulation. He's concerned. He calls for, let there be light. Let's search and see what's going on. Amen. Amen. Why? God is interested in your recovery. He wants to recover fallen mankind. That's not His will that any of us should perish. And so He said, Now I believe that woman represents the church. God, the church is to get light in this church and realize one more needs to come on in. One more. For recovery. Amen. That sheep, amen, cannot, listen now, bring itself home. I'm sure God, these new phones can help me find my way back home if I'm lost. But it's not in the sheep's built-in DNA to find his way back home. It's easy for a kid to get lost, but not easy to get back home. Going astray is easy. It's not hard. But recovering is tough. Difficult, almost impossible, possible to renew them to repentance. Peter says, if they've gone that far, gone too far for recovery. Praise God. But thank God there's a shepherd that said, let's go fetch it. David says, hey, you lion, you ain't going to swallow this one. You ain't going to pull this one. Come on, someone. He said, oh, you bear, you will not eat this one. Hallelujah. No lamb chop today, and he fought for it. 
Amen. In every case, they're rejoicing. Amen. We rejoice not because we won the lottery. We rejoice because you recover. We rejoice because you repent. We rejoice because you got a revelation. You've got divine illumination that you need God and that God's showing you the truth. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, church, the most exciting time in church is not when you pay your tithe and offering. It's when you repent of your sins. It's when your sins and your burden has been lifted and you find the truth and God recover you and bring you back to revelation and a relationship with Jesus Christ. It makes us happy when you walk through that door and you got the victory and you got the power. And he says, oh, hallelujah, I've overcome the wicked one by my testimony. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're not excited because you got more money or a bigger car, bigger house. God forgive. Man, that could be trash in a second. For you got an eternal soul. How many angels got to do the Watusha with us? Praise God. We start with rejoicing. You know what? Because you're overcomer. Bringing that sheep back home. And most time when you bring it back home, it's all infested with disease. Amen. I'm sores and all kind of situations I've been into. He said, oh my God, I watched bothers when I was in the Caribbean pick up the kids that was messed up, put all their poo on their face and all over their body. I guess they're discovering who they are. Woo, my, my cute little baby. That's not cute. That's woo, smelly. But not to mama. Not to mama. That's precious. It's time for reunification. I believe in this service right now, there's a son or a daughter right now. You've gone so far from your prayer life. You've gone so far from truth. You've gone so far from the covenant. You know you're not ready to meet God. And you know you're not doing what's right. And you know you're in a position, amen, to say, Father, everything is all right, but you just can't bring yourself to the place. But the Bible says, He came to His senses. Hallelujah. I tell you, church, I remember the Friday night I came to my senses. And realized I'm a lost sinner. Get away with all this scientific technology talk. I'm lost. I need to be found. Praise God. When I found that forgiveness was available, when I found that there's healing balm, it killed his head. And I realized that Jesus Christ paid the price for my recovery. Oh, what a joy to my soul. I can never forget when I knew I was forgiven. My load fell off my back. I felt like somebody took that load off me. I don't feel like a fugitive anymore. I didn't see God as a judge. I saw God as a savior. I saw him as a lover, a caregiver. Hallelujah. What a feeling it was to know I could give up my addiction. Amen. Without any withdrawal. I want to tell somebody. I say goodbye, pigs. I'm no longer in the slop. I'm no longer down in the mud and the grub. With you, Satan, I'm going to a higher plane. I'm going to a higher heights. I'm going from the guttermost to the uppermost. I'm trying to tell you, if you're a backsider this morning, God wants to rejuvenate you. God wants to recover you. You got to be faithful, no matter what anybody says. I'm going to be faithful. Leave that friendship behind. Leave all that commitment to the world behind and come back to God. The boy said, I'm going back home. I'm going back home. Some of you kids, you hold your parents' apologies. Lots of it. I went to my mom and dad said, Dad, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm not the son I'm supposed to be. I know you're thinking I'm living okay, but I'm not. I'm doing things that are not right. <clears throat> I didn't name it all. All he was this. Can you open the door back to me? My dad used to tell me, if you don't like the rules, get out. <clears throat> he meant it, boy. I wouldn't dare challenge him. He got bigger muscles than I did. He could slap my head off. He said, there's a door out. It's the house rule. That boy humbled himself and came back home. Hallelujah. Well, God, I don't want you to tell me how to dress. Then you can't be a priest. I don't want you to tell me when to worship, but he can't be an Israelite. Huh? I 
want to tell you how to fix my hair, then you can't be a Nazarite. Hello! Hello! You can't reign with me. Hallelujah. So, some people are lost in the house, in churches. There are people lost on the pews, right in the house. They're out of circulation. There are people lost in the field out there. There are sheep out there that need to be brought back to the fold. We should bring them back. And then their sons lost in the world. Think about it. How many people you know will tell you, I'm not lost, I'm okay. And you know to God they're not okay. Let's worship God right now. Praise God. I believe in the church on the pews you can lose your kids. Right on the pew. You think they're a part of the church? They're not. They're just putting in time. Sit right there. But they have no connection with God. And they're lost and don't know it. But what bugs me more is this. Parents are not concerned like old-timers used to. Old-time parents spend hours on their knees crying to God for their sons and daughters. And sons and daughters repent. I don't know why they're doing it. But there's a power of God in that prayer. That mama says, look, this is my house. It's a house of prayer. That child knows when he walks in the house, the radar is on. Discernment is working. The spirit of divine revelation is unfolding. Anything lost, amen, in comic strip or pornography, they can pick it up. I tell you, I live in a house where it was a haunted house. My, my, my auntie, she had a revelation, man. She could pick up things. I mean, it was scary. We thought she was a witch. I mean, it wasn't a witch. It was the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We couldn't hide in that house. Praise God. The sins that are committed in, the, in your house by your kids, and you don't even know it. And they're lost in your house. I mean, here's Lot and Mrs. Lot. Their kids are lost in the house. They didn't even know it until calamity strikes. And Abram tried to pray them out of the situation. He couldn't even do it. Hmm. Lord, kids, I want you to pray right now. We pray for the money and daddy around. So, Lord, let my money and daddy turn their house in a house of prayer. So if I'm lost, they know it. Just that piercing eye of a mommy and daddy, the Holy Ghost, looking at them, knowing where they've been. And I'll say, where have you been? I'm going to tell you where you were. I'm going to tell you what you've been doing. God showed it to me. He put the light on him. Boy, don't lie to me. The Holy Ghost light comes on. Shaka Mahaya. Hallelujah. Pursue the friend. Those kids just tiptoe in the house. Scared to death. Don't know what's going to happen next. Divine revelation. The light is revelation. Let there be light. Girl, I know where you've been. I know what you've been doing. Boy, I know what you've been on your mattress. You'd be surprised right now it's on of these mattresses. Go home and check it. And I dare you to check their iPhone. Woo! Boy, give that to me. I know it's on there. God sold it to me. That's what you've been doing. That's what saved kids. You don't want your child lost in the house. You want them found. Oh, church, I'll tell you... <coughs> It's amazing how I could be bad in a house like what I lived in. My grandmother used to shake when my auntie prays. Literally shake. And she could cuss like a sailor. But when prayers start, boy, she starts scared to death. Lost in the field. How many people in this city know this truth but don't want to submit to it? One thing sheep never do in the Middle East, they never end up in the wrong fold. One guy said to me, Pastor Neil, he doesn't know who he's talking to. 
I feel sorry for the poor guy. I'm having a guy come and preach for us, and he's he's got this special ministry, and when he says things, things happen, and oh, he can whatever, folks. I don't need a whole stereo call socks I have on. I can see it for myself. Praise God. I don't chase miracles. Praise God. Miracles chase me. I'm not impressed if you turn a cow into a donkey. I'm impressed when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name. That sin, it was in the world. Amen. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I wanted the world real bad because, you know, all, all kids are dummies to the devil. They will manipulate us because we don't know how lost we are. But which of you church tonight, today, if your house was on fire, on fire, would you save yourself and leave your kid behind? I don't think you would. If that kid, amen, was in danger of drowning, even though he couldn't swim, would you stand and watch it happen? Or would you both drown together? If anything. Boy, I hear a thud. I think, in closing, a concerned parent would try to do something. But people are lost in the house of churches, in the feet of our city, and in our world that we're living in. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Think about it. Lost, but found. That's the good part of the story. When repentance takes place, and we hear that this person has turned to God. There should be rejoicing, there's music, and there's dancing, because guess what? Hey, he gave up drugs, alcohol, immorality, he's turned to God, he's different now, he's not carrying a comic strip, he's carrying the Bible. He's not cursing, he's memorizing scripture. Hello! That lo and behold is gone, and now it's the to the uppermost. Let's all stand. There was dancing in the house. The coin was found because the light was turned on. The sheep was discovered because somebody got there and got involved personally. I want to tell you, friend, nobody gets saved without personal involvement. From a safe person. You're just not going to save yourself. Thank God for somebody who's going to teach us the truth. Praise God. I don't want a doctor to lie to me. You put me in an early grave. <laughs> I don't want a lawyer lie to me and put me in a penitentiary. And I don't want a preacher lie to me and put me in the grave and hell. Let's worship God. I want to rejoice over someone this morning. I want to ask you, are you the lost coin, the lost sheep, or the lost son? Which one are you? If you're the coin, then God wants to bring you back in circulation. God wants to bring you back, bring me you back in this house. If you're the sheep, God wants to bring you back in the sheepfold. And if you're a son or a daughter, God will bring you back home. But the whole idea is, bring me back. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. 